The Boston Greeks podcast is here and ready to bring Greekness back. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Boston Greeks podcast. I'm your host Ari and with me as always is Foti Stamos. Hi Foti, how are you today? Good yourself Ari. I'm doing great, I'm actually excited. We have a great guest and sometimes we have some singers, artists, but for me my personal passion is to, to get to know people in a professional environment and our guest today hits that right on the head. Foti, tell us a little more about him. Absolutely, as you mentioned, you know, all of our guests who come to the show are exciting for us because they have a great story to tell. But this individual for us uh, and me specifically is an honor to have him here because I grew up watching this individual along with my family uh, through the years uh, in news. But we'll talk more about in detail about our guests. But I want to bring on to our show to the Boston Greeks podcast, uh, the award-winning news anchor and media professional and entrepreneur, Mr. Mike Nikitas. Mike, thank you so much for joining us during your busy time. Um, It's an honor to have you here with us. You are so welcome, Fodi and Ari, and I knew I'd get to a certain point in life where people would say, when I was a kid, I used to watch you on TV. <laughs> yes. Is that, um, is, is that, that has to be great and uh, on another level, like, oh, man. <laughs> I got to say, no, Mike, wonderful. before we get into, into the conversation, in our household as Greeks watching TV at that time in the 80s and 90s, whenever we could point out a Greek in media, on a, in, on a set, in the movies and so forth, we definitely made it a point to follow that individual. And the fact that you were Greek was one of the main reasons why we watched your broadcast. But then, you know, for us, it was about you delivering the news. So we watched you religiously back back then. That is just so wonderful to hear. I hear stories like that all the time. And it's just such an honor and privilege for me at this point in my life to know that people still remembered and people still watch, you know, watch back then. Absolutely. absolutely. Can, we get, can we get a little bit of his uh, history? Can we get yes. a little bit of your background? Uh, well, my background is that uh, I grew up in New Hampshire, and I live in New Hampshire now, worked in Massachusetts for a very long time, uh, almost 30 years, moved around the country a bit with my career as sort of a news gypsy, so to speak. Mm. Uh, I went to school for a while in California at Cal State, and I got my first job in radio back then uh, and worked in the San Francisco Bay Area for several years. I tried to get a job in TV, and nobody wanted to hire me uh, in California without any TV experience. So I went to a much smaller market in Western Colorado, Grand Junction, Aspen, which was beautiful uh, and just the prettiest place I've ever lived. That was wonderful. I had one child there, got a job after that in a sort of medium market, uh, South Bend, Indiana. So I lived in Indiana for six years and that was a wonderful experience. I had two daughters there and then uh, got an agent and got the job at NECN. And I was there from 1992 to 2017. I did the first newscast there and uh, my wife somehow stayed with me through all of these moves. (laughs) And I have four children. We have four beautiful, wonderful children, all grown now. Three out of four married, four gainfully employed. So two thumbs up. I think I did my job for the most part. You did. That's that's great. So South Bend, Indiana. I can't even like because I'm I'm a city boy. I've always been in the city. I've always been surrounded by like lots of Greeks and Greek things. How how is that experience? I'm sure like for somebody uh, on a professional level, it's just something to soak in and, and new experiences and learning. But how was it as you as a Greek American? You know, it was wonderful. I loved the Midwest. Um, 
there was a fairly large uh, community of uh, Greek Orthodox. Uh, there was a large church there in South wow. Bend. The longtime congressman from that area, John Bradamus, was a Greek guy. Huh. Uh, so it's not too far from Chicago, which, as you know, has a, a fairly large Greek American population. And I love the Midwest. At first, I didn't think I would like it that much. But uh, when I lived there for a while, I realized that it's less transient than many other areas of the country. And mm. people that were there had lived there all their lives, and they expected you would too. So, uh, you know, they, they were very accepting and it was wonderful. Different than Colorado, different than California, different than New England. You mentioned that you did the first newscast for NECN uh, and that was back in 92? Yes. When it first launched. Can you tell us about the, your experiences at N- NECN? I mean, for us in the Boston market, you know, we were heavy into, you know, WCVB and, you know, there was uh, Channel 4, Channel 7 and so forth. But then there, there came along NECN. And we remember back then gravitating to more and more often to watching NECN over the other networks. Well, it was uh, a wonderful um, experiment at the time, they were looking to create, when I was hired, they said, we want to do NPR on TV. Mm. And it was thoughtful journalism. There was a lot of long form journalism and that kind of thing you don't see very much anymore. Mm. Uh, We, in the early days, we took all sorts of um, events live continuously because we had a lot of time to fill. Uh, We did, I anchored the whole OJ Simpson trial. It lasted 10 months. Uh, I anchored this, we took the whole six weeks of the preliminary hearing live every day. And and I anchored that as well, uh, along with some other people. It was uh, a wonderful experience. We did, I did a lot of documentaries when I was there, a handful, uh, many people did them. At, at a certain point, I think we were doing, uh, I think we did 60 documentaries over the course of two or three years. It was wow. amazing. Uh, and, and you don't see much of that anymore, uh, ex- except yeah. in the public realm. Uh, there were a great group of people there. Uh, I still am in touch with so many of them, love them all. And NECN continues to exist in a different form nowadays. Yes, uh, but uh, it was uh, you know uh, there are so many memories that I have covering news there from you know nine eleven to the Boston Marathon bombings a lot of big breaking news yeah. stories and going out to the first uh, Patriots uh, Super Bowl celebration and a couple others after that too so it was, it was a great experience and. Uh, you know, I, I'm just honored when people say that they watched and they remember and, and they found something there that was um, uh, substantive and meaningful as well as interesting. Can I ask an opinion, your opinion? Uh, I have a I have like a love-hate relationship with media nowadays. Most people obvious, do, Ari. <laughs> for, for, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, from your point of view, in your opinion, you said things were a lot different back then on NECN. Uh, have you seen things going better, worse? Is it just different? Well, what's what's it from your point of view? Well, in terms of the complete media landscape, I would say it is different. And in many ways, it is worse. Uh, I think that we can all sort of see the changes that have occurred over the past, particularly 10 years, um, with the polarization of media in this country, uh, whether it's on cable news or uh, in newspapers or online. I mean, there's just so much information. And politically, we've become more polarized. And so has media. You know, it was interesting back in the 90s, uh, I had an opportunity. I was offered a job at Fox News, which I didn't take. And I met with Roger Ailes for quite some time. And one of the things that he did, I think, that was brilliant, but at the same time, very corrosive to our culture, is he figured out that rather than give people what we think they need, we're going to give them what they want. (laughs) And so he, you know, fulfilled that whole confirmation bias thing, where it's give people 
news and information that confirms their bias. And then we will see our ratings go up. And they did. And you know what? Most everybody has followed that model to some degree, whether consciously, subconsciously, or a little bit of both. And it's been successful. And and it uh, it turned into eyeballs. And, and that's what TV and media is all about. It's the number of eyeballs, the number of readers you get. Uh, anybody yeah. who tells you anything different doesn't know what they're talking about. It's it's successful financially, but I would say <laughs> not successful in many other aspects. No, socially, maybe not. You know, it's interesting. Uh, over the past summer, um, if you followed ratings, uh, the ratings for the three major network newscasts, the half-hour newscasts every night were up to their highest levels since the 90s. World News Tonight, I think, went eight weeks where it was the number one half-hour of television at all day parts. And that's really stunning. And I think that generally, you know, people, um, who knows what the real reason, my my theory would be that they generally, generally play it down the middle, uh, the network newscasts. You know, some people say might say they're still a little, little left-leaning, but they generally play it down the little middle and they give people a half hour of news. And that's enough for most people yeah. uh, because people, I think, were becoming bombarded. And especially with COVID and with the Trump presidency, watching so much news and getting so addicted to it. Many people, not everybody, sure. um, that, um, you know, the half hour newscast provided a niche and some relief and some some honesty about what was going on in the world. I, I would I felt personally that like people would want to know the realities of things. But then I'm an internet professional for 20 plus years. Uh, and like I said, we we started a social network before social networks were a thing. I am the biggest uh, cr- uh, critic of social media now. Um, I don't know how, how most uh, lay people view it, but me as somebody who was in it, I think it's it's absolutely terrible because of those points that you pointed out um, where you're not looking for the truth. You're looking for what coincides with what you want to see, what you want to hear, what you believe. And facts can be brought right to your face and you'll be like, eh. And then something you want to hear can be brought to your face and your mind will make it a fact. And that's mm. what it seems like is going on. And it's it's a real interesting time in, in, in our society right now. And I'm pretty interested to see what the next, you know, 2022 and then 2024 are going to bring uh, as far as that. Uh, do you have any similar thoughts? I, you know, Ari, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head. I think that people, uh, that whole thing, I mean, if you study psychology, confirmation bias is one of the biases that uh, we know exists and it's human nature and it's sad. Uh, and then I think when falsehoods get repeated, um, repeatedly, <laughs> then the falsehoods become truth. And I'm not trying to be political here, but I think that there is a lot of information that is not truth. And facts are stubborn things. But as you say, um, somebody can be hit upside the head with the facts. <laughs> and if it doesn't align with what they believe, they see it as whether it's fake news or mm-hmm. just not true, um, they will not believe it. And you know, we've seen it time and time and time again, uh, you know. And it's, so, it's it not new. It's not new. This is not going on in history. It's like, uh, it, it boggles my mind how, how there's so many people that just think this is like a, a new thing. And they're at the cusp of, of being so smart to like follow how fake this news is or how like there's us versus them. It's like, this is just 
a rehash of history and it's it's kind of scary it is you know and the more things change the more they stay the same and you're you're absolutely right i think obviously the the big difference is uh social media and the internet they have supercharged it they have put a flamethrower on this particular human characteristic and made it a million times worse Gosh. Well, you you're mentioning gentlemen some interesting times that we're living in for sure and um, who knows what the future holds for us, but we'll keep our heads up. But you uh, know what? Let me let me ask Mike as well. Uh, I, impossible for you to know, but from you, you, you have a long history and you're a professional. Um, so I value absolutely 100 percent your opinions, even, you know, if we're talking about the future and you really don't know. But uh, do you think that we're just going to be consistently going the path that we're going? Do you think anything could possibly snap us out of it? Do you think? Any new technology or any new medium could possibly uh, turn this around? Because I'll tell you, from my opinion, I don't see anything in the immediate future changing the way we are we're going because it's it's technology is moving really fast and, and it's really tough for people to kind of grasp it. I mean, technology is moving faster now than it ever has in history. And most people just have no clue. They just turn on their computer and it works like they don't understand anything you know, behind it. So in my opinion... I, I think somewhere in the future, things may change, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And hopefully anything that happens soon is not going to be damaging to anything positive that will happen later on. Does that make any sense to you? Does that, am I sure? Sure. No, absolutely. Uh, I I think that, um, you know, it, it's distressing and it's, uh, it's disheartening to think in those terms, but it's hard to see it any other way. Uh, the next two years, the next, you know, until we get to 2024, do I see things improving in this country in terms of our polarization, um, the uh, anger, the uh, distress? No, I don't. And I, I hope to goodness things improve. I don't think that there's anything that technology can do or government can do. Um, they can, you know, around the margins make changes in terms of um, rules as far as the, the FCC rules regarding content and regulation of content. Sure, there are things that can be done there. But do I see this country changing in any way? I, I, I don't. I, I hate to be, you know, a doomed, doomsayer, but I don't think things are going to get any better over the next, you know, two years. I, I hope they do. I really do. Um, but when I see people really distrusting and hating this current president, for no reason other than he's not the president they wished they had, yeah. not for any substantive reason. I, I, I think that uh, we're in a tough road the next yeah. couple of years. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. It's, it's historical. I think we're witnessing history like develop in front of our eyes. And we've witnessed some major things in the recent past. And I think we're going to witness some major things uh, in the future. And you know what? I wish there were more news people that had... You know, I don't know you very well, but uh, from what I've read about you, from what I've heard about you, you know, I wish there were more news people as yourself who take integrity and take truth and take, you know, a realistic stance on what's going on, like it or hate it. it. We need more people like that. We need more people such as yourself. Well, thank you, Ari. And I do like to think that there are many, many, many people in media who are, who do share the same view, who do care, who do report who are not slanted, 
who are not overtly biased, who really do care about the future. And the, I, I, I'm one who believes in more information rather than less. Yes. And uh, I, I think that um, there, there is some hope uh, in media. Maybe perhaps it's just because of my bias being a member of the media, but the vast majority of the people I know in media are honest people who want to get it right and who do care about people and the future and truth. That's so nice to hear. I'm, thank you for saying that because, you know, I, I get worried. I get worried. I don't have a lot of exposure to, to actual media people. I just have my computer, my TV. So I'm just like everybody else. But I'm glad to hear that because sometimes I think that, you know, everybody's going for the quick buck and, and whatever sells, sells. And it just it doesn't work that way. And, yeah, well, that's what underscores everything. Never forget it. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, we're talking about tough roads, um, tough roads ahead and uh, difficult times. But I also want to touch on, Mike, a little bit about your family history, because it's quite impressive um, where on your, well, you grew up in New Hampshire. Um, Are you you second or third generation? Uh, My grandparents, uh, three of my four grandparents uh, were immigrants from Greece, early 1900s and that big wave around, you know, 1910, 1915, right around that. Excellent. And um, so on both sides of your family, your, your dads and your moms, uh, you document some very interesting historical moments in time. Um, and I'd love to at least touch upon that for our audience to hear a little bit about, uh, number one, on your dad's side and on your mom's side about um, some of the historical facts that happened. Um, I'd, let you, I'd let you kind of uh, let, lead this. Well, you know, these are things that have nothing in a way to do with me, obviously, but as a, a family, we've been very proud of, you know, all the contributions I think some of my ancestors made or moments where they were, uh, you know, at moments of history. Um, on my dad's side, my dad uh, was born in Fitchburg, um, and uh, he was one of uh, uh, five kids and um, four, excuse me, six kids. And he and uh, two of his brothers went off to war. Uh, my dad w- flew B-29s in, uh, against Japan, uh, Pacific, and he was shot down right at the end of the war. Uh, I don't know how well you know your sort of history mm-hmm. at the end of the war, but uh, Hiroshima was August 6th. Nagasaki was August 9th. Mm-hmm. My dad was shot down on the 8th and floated around in the ocean for uh, six days along with his crewmates. The only person who died in the plane being shot down was the pilot who kept the plane flying till the last second. Wow. And they were taken prisoners of war on the very last day of the war. Uh, miraculously, it's kind of a long story, but miraculously, they, they did survive. They were not executed like so many other American POWs. And uh, they were taken almost immediately to Hiroshima and were uh, among, they were the first Americans there in Hiroshima on the last day of the war. Uh, it was about a week after the bomb had been dropped uh, and came uh, in contact with when they were thrown into jail there. Uh, two guys that were um, in Hiroshima, there were 10 Americans known in Hiroshima when the bomb was dropped. Two of them were still alive. Uh, they were probably the only two still left alive. They both died within hours. Um, but one of them was from Lowell. Actually. So, uh, yeah, and my dad, you know, survived the war and had four kids and he died pretty young. Uh, most of the guys died pretty young from, we think, um, exposure even after a week uh, Hiroshima to radiation. So uh, we don't know for sure, but so many of them did die um, that we sort of surmised that. Uh, yeah, he died at 45. So yeah, but wonderful guy. And, um, you know, we were always, my dad who was born on the 4th of July. We were always taught, even though we were Greek, we were Americans. Even my grandfather, we were Americans. Nice. And my dad flew the flag, you know, every holiday. And, you know, he was that generation. So 
uh, yeah, that that that's a little bit of my dad's. Wow, that's impressive. And, and you did write a nice piece in the Boston Globe about this uh, event that happened. Yeah, I did. A, some time ago, on the 50th anniversary of Hiroshima, I wrote a piece in the Sunday Globe. And then I did a, a longer piece, uh, a TV piece, on the 60th anniversary on NSVN. So yes, it's 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 quite a story, and there's so many twists and turns to it. But that's those are the cliff notes. Yeah. <laughs> and then on your mom's side, Mike, there was one thing that I read that was also pretty impressive. If you want us uh, kind of let us know about that as well. Well, again, it, this, these are things that happen. You know, when I this particular event happened when I was a kid, um, but I heard the stories. Uh, my mom's brother, my uncle George uh, Bacopoulos, was a priest and later served as the uh, archdiocese. Uh, the Chancellor of the Archdiocese of North and South America with uh, Archbishop Yakovos. And when uh, the Selma to Montgomery marches were happening in 1965 with uh, Martin Luther King and, and so many other uh, Black leaders uh, for voting rights, which is still going on today, uh, I know uh, the story I heard, I can remember sitting around the kitchen table uh, in, in Holyoke at my grandmother's house hearing these stories with my mom and my dad and Uncle George. And essentially, uh, the Archbishop was watching TV. New York at the Archdiocese uh, at his apartment and was watching on TV what was going on because there were a series of marches and he said, we have to go down there. And and I, I think that everybody was telling him no. And he said to my uncle George, you're going to charter a plane and we're going to go down there. And so he chartered a plane. They landed in a cow pasture outside Selma. And I always remember my uncle George say, when we get out of the plane, you can cut the tension with the knife. I'd never heard that <laughs> phrase before. And they actually went and and there was one march. If you ever seen the movie Selma, there is an Archbishop Yakovos character, and oh. they marched with uh, Arch uh, with Martin Luther King. There was only major, uh, you know, white religious figure to do that. And um, you know, there's the famous picture uh, on the front page yeah. of uh, Life magazine with Yakovos and, and Martin yes. Luther King and some other people with him. So uh, yeah, we always, uh, you know, I always remember that story and um, the event uh, because of that. That's incredible. You know, it, it's funny to something that I've known about, you know, my whole life. Um, I've read about and I've always felt a kind of pride that the, the, the Greeks were, were one of those few that stood uh, with with what they believed was right. And I've always felt that kind of pride. And to hear you who actually have like a direct connection is like incredible. You know, it's it's so interesting because if you take the time, and I would encourage anybody who doesn't know this that much about it, and all they maybe know is that that Life magazine cover, which I've seen in Greek restaurants before on the wall, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is uh, to read what happened um, and and read about it, and and read the words that uh, that Archbishop Yakovos uh, said that. And I'll tell you, they they'll bring a tear to your eye. They're they're as powerful as anything, if I may so say. Martin Luther King said that day. Uh, it, it, it's stunning, it's powerful, and it's real. And it's something to uh, be proud of. Uh, but at the same time, remember, Yakubo said this, I was called traitor for going down there. A lot of people didn't like the fact that I was going. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a Greek word for traitor, and I forget what it was, but he was called that. And so uh, it wasn't an easy thing for him to do. And he, he was a really uh, a wonderful guy. I remember him at my uncle's funeral. He had these you know, uh, he had these intense eyes uh, and he just was a very just loving, caring, good person in, in my limited exposure to him. Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, he's somebody to be remembered. And of course, uh, I believe the seminary in Boston is named after him at, at the Hellenic College. Isn't there a, a Archbishop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's incredible to hear. And, you know, it, it, nothing great that you're going to do in your lifetime is ever going to be easy. And he 
you know, he will stand the test of time and, and history looks back. And I, I believe my opinion that he did the right thing and, and more power to him. And, and it was an incredible story. And it's so great that, that you, like I said before, you had that direct connection. It's amazing. Yeah, it was a very long time ago. I was just a kid, you know, when I heard the story, I was like 10. You know? Yeah, but you see, you said these stories about your, your, you know, World War II and, and settlement and all these things, they, they don't involve you. But, you know, this is your family. This is your line. You are part of it because that stuff molded you, molded who you are. And, and I think it's, it's an amazing thing. And I, I loved hearing these stories. I, Fati, we, we, before we, we ended, uh, we got to have them back. That's all yes, I absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, Mike, you've, you, you've, you've been a very um, uh, impactful person for, for us in our communities. Um, you've done a lot of great stuff. You know, just your, your resume, your, you know, your bio is endless. Um, you know, like, how do you find the time to actually uh, do everything that you've just listed? I'm sure you have a lot of sleepless nights, lots of coffee, I'm assuming, um, as well. I've had two but cups today. <laughs> but I also noticed that you did a little bit of film. You've been in a couple of movies. Yeah, those were just small things. I was typecast as a newscaster. They were very, <laughs> you know, small roles. Um, but they were a lot of fun. Um, and um, yeah, uh, the movie Ted, I played a newscaster in Ted. I mean, if nice. you blink twice, you miss it. I was on for like four seconds. We're going to go uh, back. Still pretty cool, though. <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh, I was in uh, two other movies. Uh, one was uh, back in the 90s called original sin with the final name uh, okay. with mark Harmon. that movie went nowhere ted was a big 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 yeah, box ted office yeah. hit um and uh and i still get i get residual checks from both of them i get like every once in a while i'll get one from original sin and it'll say like 39 cents re-release in luxembourg or something <laughs> like that you know <laughs> so that's, wow. that's actually really cool <laughs> like seinfeld in that episode where he cramped up trying to sign his <laughs> his uh his checks there that's Excellent. so funny, <laughs> Mike. Uh, so tell us what's going on now in your in your world. What do you What are you up to these days? You know, uh, I am. Uh, I've tried to you know have a new chapter in my life after leaving full time news, which I did for a very long time. Uh, I appeared just uh, until very recently on WGBH um, Beat the Press, which just got canceled after a few years. Which twenty two years is a long run. As I told people on the show, I said, "Look, Seinfeld only lasted nine years. You know, <laughs> go twenty two years in TV. I don't care what kind of show it is. That's a good thing." Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I teach. I teach at the University of New Hampshire, um, just on an adjunct basis uh, in the Carson School of Public Policy, the grad school. And then I also uh, teach. Um, I'm a visiting professor at, at Brandon. I visit, I'll be there next week in the Heller School of Management MBA for Physicians program. I think they're the only ones that have an MBA for doctor program. It's a oh. wonderful program. Oh. The big thing is, uh, though, I have my media training and communications. I do media training. I do a lot of still on-camera work. I do a lot of presentation training, public speaking training, um, those sorts of things. Nikitascommissions.com. Absolutely. Uh, I work with a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of major corporations, individuals as well. And uh, I, I, you know, I get people ready for media interaction or even people who have done it before, you know, buff them up a little bit and work with them. And so I do those things. And then, uh, you know, hey, I got a couple of motorcycles that I ride around a lot. I, I travel and tour my BMWs and, and, and have a good time, try to go skiing yeah. and, and, you know, do stuff and travel a little bit and, you know, and maybe slowing down 10%. And another quick question, have you been or any plans to visit Greece? I have been, but as a kid, um, I was there. I went to like a lot of, uh, I don't know if you've heard, I don't know if the, is the Ionian village still around? 
Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I went to the Ionich. Oh, cool. um, that was the only time I ever went to Greece. I did go, I think they, the, it was a month that went for yeah. a long time in the summer, uh, but I haven't been since. And I have no immediate plans with COVID, but I, yeah. I almost went right before COVID and had something come up and I was going to go with a buddy of mine, but didn't go. And um, so, yeah, I, I'd love to, and I will. Just a question of when and how at this point, you know, like with travel is just so crazy. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understandable. Understandable. How about you guys? Have you had a chance to, I mean, do you, have you been to Greece recently? Not recently. Not recently. <laughs> uh, over, like you said, you know, we've been hunkered down and uh, no immediate plans. But, uh, you know, prior to that, you know, growing up, yes, family vacations, uh, going out with the buddies and, and hanging out. But, yeah. It's so tough right now uh, with travel. So, so difficult. I have a uh, and, and tell me when we're running out of time here. I have a daughter. One of my four kids lives in Australia, married oh. to an Australian guy. And um, it, it's just been, I don't know if you've followed what's been going on there, but they've been the most restrictive of perhaps mm -hmm. any country in allowing people in. They're this island out there, and they've always <laughs> been this way, and now they, they just close the borders. Yeah. And it's only been in the last month or two that they've been allowing people in, and only family members. So uh, my daughter's going to have another another child, another grandchild, and my wife's going there. But it's been, it was very difficult to, for her to get in and, you know, a special visa and, you know, there, yeah. there's you know, the normal testing that you have to do and all that kind of thing and being vaccinated and all that. Um, yeah. The visa just made it even more difficult. Yeah. And now, now, you know, we're, we're kind of going back up and it's just going to be a mess for a while. But after know. the uh, news coverage we've been watching these last couple of days <laughs> with the airports and so forth, I don't, uh, I don't envy anyone that's out there right now trying oh. to travel. No, it's difficult. Yeah. You know, fortunately, planes do a fairly good job and airlines do a fairly good job of, uh, you know, purifying the air, purifying mm -hmm. seats. And there's, there's there's a lot of technology available to do that, but it's still it's so hard and people are so upset. And we see all these air agents. Yeah, yeah it's this is this is where, uh, again, I'm sitting comfortably in my house. I'm not going anywhere. And I just I know air travel is perfectly fine. But when all I see are these clips of, of nut jobs, like going Chaos. crazy on planes, I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? But yeah. it, it's it all goes back to like where it's like it's not reality. It's like you could take a flight and you'll be perfectly fine. But, you know, a perfectly fine flight doesn't make the news. These nut jobs going crazy does. And it's like, just don't be scared out there. <laughs> Excellent. As Ari had mentioned, Mike, um, this has been wonderful. Um, we definitely would love to have you come back at some point again. I'm sure we can talk more and more about uh, yourself, about the world, about the future and what it has to hold. But maybe before we let you go, for our younger audience that's watching this segment, any advice or tips to them um, as an accomplished uh, individual in media? Boy, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, you know, be true to yourself, obviously, and be truthful. Um, but I guess, you know, the one thing that I would say is when the stuff hits the fan, do your best work. Be good in a crisis. And right now we're in a crisis. And be good to yourself. Be good to the people around you. And um, don't give up and, and do your best now when things are hardest. Excellent. Words. That words, was great. Words. Any last minute uh, thoughts or comments for Mike? Anything that you want to uh, definitely will we'll add Mike's um yeah, let's let's have him uh, give us his website again, and we're going to list it in the notes of the video on the podcast as well. Uh, and and your your website and what and again what it what it entails. Well, the the website is devoted to my business, and it's Nikitas N I K I T A S Communications dot com. 
And so you can find out about all the kinds of things which I described earlier that I do and send me an email right there and, and we can talk. Um, I think I, I think Foti and I need a, a little bit of uh, help from you. After watching. My lighting's off today. Lighting's everything and mine's off. It got sunny all of a sudden. I was going to say as well, like I'm, I have like this weird orange shade and I have the fake background. So it's like I can use that. But uh, after watching many of our podcasts, many of our videos, I'm like, we, we should take like a workshop at some point to try to like, yeah. you know, kind of Polish. clean it up a little. So Mike, you're Happy the guy. to do it. And you guys are free. this this was amazing this was uh, like i said we we've had so many people from so many walks of life and for me my passion is kind of that history and and what's going on now and and people who who you know i respect and and i believe are are the good people the the integrity they have the integrity they have the the truth those are the people that i watch out for that's why today was such a a pleasure for me personally. Thank you so much for taking the time with us, Mike. You are so welcome. Uh, Thank you for those kind words and and right back at you, both of you, Ari and Foti. Thanks for doing this, uh, this podcast on a regular basis, because these are the sorts of things that connect us, all of us, and are so, so important, especially in a time like now where we don't have as many personal. Certainly, we're trying to go back around and out in our lives, but these kinds of connections are uber important. So thank you for doing this. Thank, thank you so you much. Well. Thank you. Well, and Fote, any last words? Yeah, um, Mike, I have a happy new year. <laughs> We're about to end 2021 and entering. Congratulations on your grandchild. Congratulations. Thank you. As thank well. you very much. And uh, happy new year to both of you. And I hope you both get the coin and the bread. Thank you. <laughs> and we're going to be in touch. <laughs> All right. Once again, Mike Nikitas, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Foti. Thank you, everybody out there for watching and listening. We will have Mike's uh, contact info in the notes. We'll see you all next time. Happy New Year. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.